0: I'm a ram. I'm still a recovered compulsive eater. And we're gonna go into um, a couple more stories. So um, the first one, of course, was the man of 30. I'm gonna go into the second one, which is a friend we shall call Jim. And uh, when Kim had us all raising our hands to whether as to whether we ate when we were happy or sad, uh, had a job or didn't have a job, right? We're going to have two stories in here, the first of which is Jim. And in Jim's situation, what's interesting about Jim is he's a hard-bottom alcoholic, and he has a really, really bad day. Um, There is some precursor here to the story in that you're going to see that he has a nervous disposition on page 35. Um, Again, restless, irritable, discontent. I kind of like call that my default setting. I'm restless, irritable, and discontent most of the time I'm sober. And if I don't have spirituality, uh, I'm probably going to stay that way. And here's Jim. He's got the same thing going on. Um, He actually was sober and drank again. And, of course, in every one of these experiences, the old guys from AA would go and talk to the people that relapsed and say, what happened? What were you thinking, right? Let's go back, retrace some steps. I love that. They didn't say, oh, he's a lost cause. Let's leave him alone. (laughs) Leave him alone. He didn't want it bad enough. They didn't say that. They would go back, right? And uh, it says, we told him what we knew of alcoholism, step one, physical allergy, mental obsession. And the answer that we had found, step two. And he made a beginning, which is probably step three, right? And what happens to him? He gets relief. He is sober again, so the physical allergy is not dictating that he has to have a drink. And that's a very, very false sense of security for me. And what happens is I start thinking that, hey, my life's not that bad. My family is reassembled, right, for Jim. His family's reassembled. He begins to work as a salesman for a business that he had once lost through drinking. All went well for a time. This is one of the most important lines in this book, I think, that tells why we pick up. After being sober for a while, he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. He probably stopped at three. I'm assuming gathering information here. So what happens with him is, I don't know about you guys, but I like to downplay a lot of things. I'll overreact about a broken nail. But when some shit hits the fan, I'll be like, Nah, I'm good, right? And Jim gives you a little uh, background into his day, and he, you know, he's coming to work. Now, remember, he used to own the place. Now he has to work there. I would say that's kind of a resentment if he hasn't done any spiritual work. And he felt irritated that he used to be the salesman for something that he once owned. He had a few words with the boss, but nothing serious. I don't know. That sounds serious to me. And then he decides to drive to into the country and see one of his prospects for a car. No big deal. That's how they did it back then, right? And he has no intention of drinking, no intention, no thought of drinking, none at all. But see, he's out in the world, unsafe and unprotected. He's got a little resentment, and he's probably got a little fear. And what happens to him is suddenly, and suddenly comes suddenly, the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. What's he trying to do? He's trying to control and enjoy his drinking. And he's sober. Why is he having those thoughts? This is why it says the crux of my problem is in my mind. I'm physically abstinent. Why am I deciding that I can't handle the emotions of life and I need to eat something? Well, maybe if I, you know, take care of it in some other way, the emotions of life, maybe I won't want to eat, right? So, Jim is just another uh example of he ignites a physical allergy and um what he says is He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, so he knew steps one and step two, right? Yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in the favor of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with with milk. And what the book calls this is plain insanity. Now, I'm insane. In step two, it says, come to believe that a power greater than me can restore me to sanity. That's assuming I'm insane. But it's not. my insanity is not like, you know in a medical book, right, up until now, My, I'm not psycho, I'm not schizophrenic, I'm not, you know, although maybe I do have those things, but really I don't. What I have <laughs> is something called the alcoholic mind, right? And for me, most important, wonderful description of what I suffer from is right here. On page 37, it's going to say that lack of proportion... The inability to think straight is what makes me insane, right? And I liken to this as as two. I'm 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 in a train and there's two railroad tracks, right? And I'm on I'm on the track. I'm good. One of them is is reason, and the other one is an insanely trivial excuse for eating. And somewhere, when this track crosses over with logic, I will derail every time. I will derail. It's almost physically impossible to have two thoughts at one time. And this is what we struggle with all the time. I'm battling all the time with two thoughts. The logical, don't eat that, don't eat that, don't eat that. You're going to be sorry. You're not going to be able to get back on track. All of a sudden, I'm not thinking at all. I don't care. Or I'll come up with an excuse why it'll work. So it says, you may think that this is an extreme case, but to us it is not far-fetched. For this kind of thinking, this is not physical, this is, this is the mental. Has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences. But there was always the curious mental phenomenon that, parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. My sound reasoning failed to hold me in check, and the insane idea won out. And the next day, I would ask myself in all earnestness and sincerity, How could that have happened? How did I do that again? How did I? The insane idea went out. I can't it's almost like being underwater holding my breath. I'm gonna have to come up for air soon. And I don't know when that's gonna be. Because all I want is ease and comfort. And if I'm not getting it from my food and I am not getting it from my spirituality, my twelve steps, the only the only option I have is to come up for air. And when I come up for air, the only thing I know is, hey, that food worked last time. I'm going to go back there again. Mm-hmm. It's what I do. Um, and because I am, you know, a, uh, a grab bag full of allergies, if it's not, if it's not one thing, it's another. And then there goes, there goes my debacle. And I like to share that because there are a lot of us that have dual addictions. Um, we're going to hit another um, third story. And the third story is that of the jaywalker, which we all know. And the jaywalker is an, an illustration to show the absurdity of our thinking mind. If you think that it's normal that this man is walking out into traffic, repeatedly breaking bones, repeatedly trying to stop for good, but he can't. It shows the progression of our illness. It shows so many things about our insane thinking, and that's why it's here. It's placed here. A lot of people think it's a silly story, but it, it's meant to be absurd. It's meant to show us how absurd we are in our thinking. And my third um, example that we're going to have is the one that I most truly connect with is Fred. Um, Fred is really, really, um, he's found on page 39. And he's got, he's kind of like a high-bottom alcoholic. And he has a really great day. So, again, we're going back into these, these. thank God Bill put these stories in here. Because just in, th- in case you thought you had to be Jim to pick up and have a bad day and have be a hard bottom, no. What about Fred? Fred is the opposite. So, here we go with Fred. Again, he is also, he's got a bad case of jitters, which is telling me he's restless, irritable, and discontent also. He's got that default nature of, uh, that I have. Now, in the bottom of 39, it says um, that he made up his mind to quit drinking altogether, so he got sober. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character or standing. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, step one. did never took step one. And Fred much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. He didn't take step two. So he's not on board at all, but he knows somewhere in his gut, that if he keeps on drinking, he's going to land in an insane asylum, because that's what happens to him. So what happens to him is that he's positive, that he, his humiliating experiences, plus the knowledge that the AA guys had uh, had given him, would keep him sober the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. So I come in LA, I I accept a little bit of knowledge, somebody gives me a food plan, they tell me what meetings to go to, They even tell me to call them every day and tell me what you're going to eat. And sometimes that works. That worked for me for a long time. But um, basically, all that knowledge and all those tools, like Kim was saying, they're there to support me, but they're not going to change me. So again, I'm holding my breath underwater, waiting for the day when the the thinking mind is going to come back. And it's going to tell me that my best idea is going to be just take one bite. It's never to binge. I don't really want to ruin my abstinence. I'm just gonna get a little relief, right? But again, if I'm not one hundred percent convinced that I am part of this ten percent that has this allergy, I, I'm not gonna understand that I can't even have trace amounts of my ingredient. Trace amounts. I understand in Alcoholics Anonymous I can't have a shot a, a shot on the weekend or a light beer at the end of the day. I can't do that. Why in why with food was I not as readily? Uh, able to accept that. That's kind of interesting, but until I got it, I w- i was going to continue with this horrible experiment and keep failing. Um, so, what happens to him is uh, he decides that uh <laughs> I love it. He pretty much says, you guys are really bad. I'm not as bad as you. So he says, I rather appreciate your ideas about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink, but I was confident that it could not happen to me after what I had learned. I reasoned I was not far advanced as most of you fellows. I had been usually successful in licking my other personal problems, and I would therefore be successful where you men failed. I felt I had every right to be self-confident, that it would only be a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. In this frame of mind, he goes out and does his business. Nothing bad happens. He's having a great day, not a cloud on the horizon, and he drinks again. And he, he it's, it's, it's a fast, fast decline for him. I love that on page 40, he tells you all this stuff, right? Self-confidence, exercising my willpower, right? And just directly opposite... On page 41, it says, Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time I had not thought of the consequences at all. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. I now remembered what my alcoholic friends had told me, how they prophesied that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and the place would come that I would drink again. They said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way before some trivial reason for having a drink. For me, this is like playing Russian roulette. I could probably, in the very beginning, um, play around with food, right? And I could probably get back on track. But the longer I am living in this world and the progression of my disease is, is following me, right, it's almost like instead of one bullet in the chamber... Every couple of years, there's another bullet added. And my chances of getting back on track are very, very slim. Very slim. So it's like shooting myself in the head. Okay. Um, his thinking mind is not helping him. He can't reason anymore. And self-knowledge is not going to fix it. So, um, you know, I, I love that, again, the men from Alcoholics Anonymous approach this man and they try to help him. And how do they try to help him? They just get him with the facts about himself as an alcoholic. If you are an alcoholic, you need to know these things, right? Um, They, two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me, and they grinned, which I didn't like so much, and asked me, why did they grin? I grinned too. It's almost like, good, you're taking step one. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be happy for you, but yeah, I am. (laughs) You're in pain, but it's a good kind of pain. Then they asked me, one. If I thought myself alcoholic... So, of course, they had to review it with them. Do you think you're physically... You have a physical allergy and a mental obsession? Okay? And two, if I were really licked this time... doesn't say, like, for today. Are you willing to just stay abstinent for today? You know, for me, I had to grasp that in my life, as an alcoholic, I will never, ever be able to drink alcohol again. But with food... It was a little bit more difficult. You mean I'm never going to have cake again? You mean I'm, when my son gets married, I'll never have cake at his <laughs> wedding? Do you really mean to tell me that I'm never, ever going to be able to have this, that, and the other thing? My mother's favorite thing at Christmas, the Easter thing. I mean, it was everything. It was revolving around everything, every holiday, every feel-good moment. Life is over as I know it, Right. But I had to really come to that conclusion. Like I had, it was grief for me. When I got abstinent and sober this time, I said goodbye forever. And I was like in fetal position in my bedroom, snot bubbles. It wasn't pretty. And it had to be that way. It had to be that way for me. Because until I really, really came to my come to Jesus moment, I was always going to think that I could get back on track, have a little bit here, have a little bit there. And I couldn't. And man, I'm so grateful for that that period where I just allowed myself to grieve. I, f- I really holed up in my house. I listened to, to speakers. I gained self-knowledge, but it wasn't enough. And I knew it wasn't enough, you know, and I was dying on the inside. But damn it, I can't pick this stuff up anymore. I just can't do it. It's going to kill me. The guys in A.A., just like they did for me, they piled on heaps of evidence to the effect uh, that an alcoholic mentality, that's my mind, such as he exhibited in Washington and I kept exhibiting in my life, was a hopeless condition. They cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen, language of the heart. I did it too. I don't do it anymore. This is how. This process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. Man, it's so hard watching somebody go through step one. I want to, like, cocoon them. And you can't. You can't. And nobody could do it for me. And thank God they didn't. Thank God they didn't. The men in AA outlined a spiritual answer, step two, and a program of action, three through twelve, right? A hundred of them have followed it successfully, so why shouldn't I give it a try, right? Right? And though I had been an only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow, but the program of action, though sensible, seemed pretty drastic. Giving up my shit forever seemed drastic. Never doing the things that I found in my fourth step again seemed drastic. How the heck am I going to never meddle again? How am I never <laughs> going to do this again? How am I never going to do all these character defects that were risen? But guess what? I was comforted. You're gonna do them again, but there's a way out in eight and nine. (laughs) We gotta clean up in eight and nine, don't worry. And guess what, it wasn't so hard anymore. They were doing it, I could do it too. It says the moment that he made up his mind to go through with the process, I had a curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved as in fact it proved to be. And the moment that I made up my mind, I really said goodbye to that stuff. I felt like I was on my way. My steps one, two, and three happened to me bam, all at one time, driving in my car, in a mental obsession, I'm going to pull in, I'm going to pull in, and I cried out for help. And all of a sudden, one, two, and three was solidified for me. It doesn't happen like that for everybody, but for me, it did. And I think the reason it did was because I cried out and I asked for it. (laughs) I actually asked for it. God, I can't feel you. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do here, and nothing's working. What am I supposed to do? Can't hustle for recovery. Wow, I hustled for everything and always got whatever I wanted and worked for. I was a hard worker, but I couldn't hustle for this. Wow. He says, quite important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. Wow. I don't have to go to AA, OA, Work Addicts Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous, uh, Gamblers and I don't have to do any of that stuff. It's going to solve all my problems. Relax, Maria, stop hustling. That was what came to me that day in my car. Basically, these stories are here to prove one more thing over and over again. They're driving it home, right? And what are they driving home? On the bottom of 43, once more, the alcoholic at certain times. That messes with my head because sometimes I can Mm -hmm. and sometimes I can't. Mm -hmm. But do I really want to risk it playing Russian roulette? I'm going to just assume there's five bullets and not one. I have no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being, no sponsor, no husband, no kid, no dog, nothing, can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power, which leads us right into step two. If I buy this, then by default, if I'm powerless, I need to go find some power. What is that power? And we talk about that next week? You